Well, to give sheer, you gotta know what uh, what the background is. I, I couldn't, you know, some <laughs> in my spare in my spare time. We left off Malachim Bay's Perig Yud Dalid Pasik. Go back to Chav Hey. We are now. I think finished last week the Rabbi Yankiv, which was uh, so apropos to conditions now in Eretz Yisrael. Malachim Beis Perik Yedalad Pasuk Chavhei. We're talking about Yeruvam Melech Yisrael. We'll call him Yeruvam the Second, not to confuse him with the original Yeruvam, which we covered in the Shear probably two years ago or more. This fellow. I always like saying the good news first. This fellow obviously has some schus somewhere. We're going to try to explore what it is. Even though he's just as bad in terms of the Avarazar. And despite that, he's given for the Asar Shvatim, and he spills over into Yehuda Binyamin as well. He's given tremendous, tremendous dominion, power in battle, power in the stability of his government. And the Pasuk describes it quite clearly. That's the Dead Sea. We didn't yet go into this. That's why I'm going back to it. should sound familiar. There's only one. In case you didn't think it was the same one, we even give you his hometown. The issue is, Yaina as we know, Yonah from Mafti Yonah had one very famous Nevoah. And from this Pasuk, that's his Nevoah and his Shlichus to Ninveh. From this Pasuk, it seems to be he had another famous Nevoah, which of course was Mekuyim right here, that despite everything that was going wrong in the Seshashvatim and everything that was wrong with Yeravam, he's given by Kaj Baruch Hu tremendous material and military success. And the question is why? Before we do that, let's just examine what the background here with Yenna is. Take a look at Rashi first. Again, we're in Pasik Chafhei. Yenna ben Amita Ehu Shamashachazyehu. That we knew from before. Shamalai ben Erevim Yeshulach. So. This is, Bnei uh, Ravam over here means four generations, and Yehu started off as a tzaddik. He was promised because of his successful coup and his bravery in carrying out that revolution, he was promised the four generations in the throne. This is a pasuk in Yena, when he was in Ninveh. Shainis, they make the diak. What's Shainis? We know that it was the second one in Mafte Yena. Why does I have to point out Shainis? Velashlishis. Very, very interesting chazal. Yena meant 100% Lashem Shemaim. He almost got himself killed. He was actually trying to get himself killed. Hashem told him to go to Ninveh, and he jumped on a ship. As a matter of fact, he bought the ship. He went to the uh, port, Nyafa, it's still there. And he said, When's the next uh, ship sailing? And he said, not till tomorrow. He said, well, it's sailing today. I said, who said so? He took out a wad of bills for his credit card. And he said, I'm buying the whole ship. It's sailing in five minutes. Where are you going? Wherever, very far. A place where Navua can't reach me. 
he made the mistake of assuming that Navua can't reach him because Lord's. And that way he wanted to go to Ninveh. Why didn't he want to go to Ninveh? Because, not because he didn't want to do Dvar Hashem. He was a tzaddik. He said, I'm going to become a nav. You have to go through the whole Messiah's Hashem and keep it. So we're talking about uh, people who were looking to do Dvar Hashem. He had such a great love for Klai Yisrael that he didn't want to make them look bad. And he felt that if he goes to Ninveh and they do tshuva quickly, which will not be a deep, everlasting tshuva, but they'll do it. It'll make Klai Yisrael look bad. It's here Klai Yisrael's doing Havarazara and the Nevi'im is still getting up and giving them Musar. And there aren't any great changes. To the credit of Klai Yisrael, the reason there aren't major changes is because Klai Yisrael, if they're going to make a change, do it right. And they're not ready for that. And they say, no, I'm going to the Ashkama Minyan already. Laming we're hearing. And Ayakichel uh, and Shmal's Herring we have. And we make Kiddush. And uh, so we get on the trolley afterwards and go to work. No. Not a perfect world. So the Nisianists in early America, it's hard for us to comprehend. And every time I meet an older gentleman, uh, either I ask the information, usually it's not necessary, they're interested in talking. Anybody who grew up in America in the uh, 20s, 30s, and 40s, uh, they'll tell you about all their friends and neighbors and all the shops in New York, not in, not in Wisconsin. Uh, I uh, have that in mind because I'm going there soon. And uh, it's a pella that not only are we still here in New York, but there are many, many from communities dotting the, the map. Our great-grandfathers never would have imagined. From people, it was a come out of impossible when they signed Yechidim passed it. And all the stores to the left and the right, everybody was open on Shabbos. So, Baruch Hashem, many of them felt they were good Jews and they, they were trying their best, which under the circumstances was difficult, but that doesn't exonerate anybody. Here, they went to Ashkamimian and then they went to the base of Arazar. It sounds wild to us, but uh, they held themselves to be Maminim. In Ninveh, they would do a quick tshuva from 0 to 60, and then the Haftera ends, and then we start Davin and Mincha, and then go to Nila. Uh, afterwards, they all reverted back, and Ninveh was ultimately destroyed. But Yana didn't even want to be party to anybody doing tshuva quickly and even short-term looking, making Klai Yisrael look bad as a kitchen of Klai Yisrael. So he didn't want to go. So he ran away and figured he can escape. The uh, lesson of Mafta Yana, the reason we're reading up Kippur, is you can run, but you can't hide. And you can't run away from Akash Baruch's din. And Yana tried it. He almost got killed. Hashem spared him because he did L'Shem Shemayim and he wanted him to go to Ninveh. And he went to Ninveh and when it says he said his second Avuah, it says, that was it. Why? I'll get to your question in a minute. That's Klai Yisrael. Which means, striking a balance in life is so difficult, doesn't mean we shouldn't try. But Yaina, uh, who again was, I know, he went to Messias Hashem, was about as perfect a human being as you could find. In the eyes of Chazal, the way Chazal interpreted, the reason he was Chayim Nisi, even though Hashem spared him, is because it was very good to stick up for the covenant of Klai Yisrael. But Ninveh was in the midst of doing horrible things, and they needed to do tshuva, and they were human beings, and Hashem needs going to do tshuva also, and if you're asked to go, you got to go. Even though it doesn't look good for Klai Yisrael. He was Taveh, too much the covet of the Ben, and he wasn't defending the covet of Akash Baruch Hu. And the Medrash, not for now, contrasts it with Elion Novi who, again, was almost as perfect a human being as you could find in his dar. He spanned many daras. And he was Tavea too much the cover of the Av, not the cover of the Ben. It doesn't mean Elio wasn't overflowing with covered for Klai Yisrael and love for Klai Yisrael. It doesn't mean Yenna wasn't worried about covered of Hashem. It was a question of how to get there. Yes?
that's why we can't understand what in the world they were doing. That's the theme of the entire Navi. We can't comprehend what the Nisayan was. But it was akin to Bimachal Shabbos when you came to the Golden of Medina, and akin to Arias, which is still with us today, and akin to the Avodah we know of. Money, Arias, covered, whatever. That's, yeah, it's, it's, we, we, can't, we could just say it, we can't comprehend it. So this is a very delicate balance. That means 0.0001% off the center. And for somebody like Elio Navi on one side, and Yen on the other side. That's already a Tviya. Neither of them got severely punished. Yen uh, had a rough time in the water there, in whatever fish swallowed him. It wasn't um, necessarily a whale. Maybe it was a squid or an octopus or, um, or a cuttlefish. I don't know, a large one. <laughs> and now they're on the sugya. Uh, who knows? But he didn't get killed. Elion Avi was relieved of his duties, but that was after centuries of helping out Klai Yisrael and being the shliach of the Dvar Hashem. So he shouldn't think that it was very imbalanced. Rashi continues, The problem is, Shainis means he had no other Navua. And here we are, Malachim Beis, way after that. And he has a Navua. It doesn't say what the Navua was, but the Pusik references Kilu is a well known Navu. That Yeravim would conquer all this land and expand the boundaries of Yisrael and have more power and dominion than anybody else since Yeshua Benun, including Yeshua Benun. So why is this Navu over here? I'll just I'll get the question in one second. Tetsuam, Rashi's bringing down the short version. We'll see it in the Radak. Kedvar Hashem Hashadir Beviad Yena Leninve, Venebcha Gzera Ra Latayva by Ninve, just like the Gzera Ra, the Ninve would be destroyed. They did tshuva at least uh, outwardly. It was enough to cancel the Gzera for now. Just like over there, it was Nefach. It was turned over. Kach Nefach the Yisrael Bimei Yerav Ben Yayesh. We finished off at the beginning of the last parak, the end of the last parak, beginning of this parak, with the terrible depression that was the matzav of Klai Yisrael in terms of their ability not to move. There was so much terrorist activity in Aram. It's at a stranglehold. They couldn't budge, and they had no army, and they just there was no way out. And that turned on a dime, and Akash Baruch Hu, as he does, from the lowest point to the highest point can be zero to sixty. A minute ago, they were being trampled on by Aram. And all of a sudden, they're on top. Speaking of our drasha yesterday, for the uh, fifty years of history. Yes, Yaakov. Wasn't there water? He so just. I mean, why did? Where's he going? What? It took the straights up, down. You can't. If you go over land to Iraq, that's a long trip, isn't there? It's longer. If you hit from Yaku, you go down the Western Suez Canal. I mean, I don't think they're going through the north. They have a lot. Yeah, a lot of famous rivers going through Iraq. No, no, but how did he get back? Or just the, the whale or whatever spit him up in the land, then he walked. He wasn't trying to get there. That was the point. He was trying to go the opposite direction. But you're asking, how did he even, how did he get from the water to the land? Hashem had him wash the shore in the closest spot. And then he took the nearest. Ahmad's rent the camel. It was a long walk, It was a long walk. I would assume if they're Meissen with the Baba Salih, the Kvitz Zederich, I would assume... Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, you mean, why didn't it take him, why does the Navi describe it? It took him weeks and weeks on camelback through sand dunes. Okay, that's not a, on Yena Navi, I don't know if that would be a kasha. The same way, uh, you know, the fish, when that spit him up, could have, could have landed many miles away, it did, you know, so uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a kasha. So, the answer again, the Rashi's bringing it down, is the uh, comparison over here, is Nebcha Gzeira just like a Ninveh, he caused a Mahapecha, so too over here there was a Mahapecha, and that's why we're bringing Yena and Avien, not that he gave a Navua over here. That's the first shot. This is from a, from a Chazal. That Navi didn't speak over here. Yenid didn't say that Yorvim would accomplish this. It's just the contrast of what changed from Ninveh, about to be destroyed, to changing the Gezei Relotaiva, was as stark as the contrast and the movement over here from Klaisal being down and out to all of a sudden they're a major force in the Middle East. Take a look at the Radak. The Radak, if you have it, is the second Dibra Maschal in Chavhei. Asher Dibra Biyad Abda Yen Ben Amita Lenichta Benavu Azu. So that's the same problem, same Chazal that deals with this that Rashi was quoting. Is that we don't have a record of this. Not necessarily Shver. It could be there was a well-known Navu. Instead of saying over the Navu and then the Kiyum, which often we have a Navi, Pazit just makes reference to it that he already foretold that Yerovam would have the success. Lenichta Benavu Azu. He didn't want to go to Ninveh, so he went in the opposite direction. Yeah. Pusik says, and Yeruvam fought many battles, and his Heshev is Gvul Yisrael, an unbelievable success, as was foretold by Navi. Which Navi? Yena. So that, that's, without a Chazal, you would say that's pretty beferish, right? So the problem is, again, it's not a tuyufta. Most of the time, we have both coverage of the original Vua, like Kayam Arashem, and then a parak or two later, we'll have the unfolding of the Vua. We had that by many times and many other names. Here it's missing. It's not necessarily schwer, but it uh, raises eyebrows, like what, what Navua where? So, right. So, the first shot Rashi brought down, which he's going to bring down both shot in, the only shot Rashi brought down, is Rashi feels that's more Pashup shot, interestingly enough, that there was no Navua over here. It's the same thing that happened by Yena over there in Inveh, the same Mapecha. So, to over here, there's a Mapecha in circumstance. That's how, yeah. But it's interesting that Rashi, who brought, but the Radak's going to bring both. Rashi. Only quotes one. Rashi's here usually give you Pashup shot. It's interesting how Rashi holds that's more Pashup. Uh, Akiva, I would have said like you, I would have said, what's so schwer? It spells out. This is the Nevoah. Where? I don't know, a month ago. What difference does it make? Right. So, but apparently that's unusual for the Navi. So the Radak says, Ficha, Barach, Chutzlaretz, Chutzlaretz, She'ena, Malkam, Nevoah. He thought he would not be able to get a Nevoah in Chutzlaretz. Turned out not to be so, and that was an exception to the rule. Today, there was another exception also. Matter of fact, uh, what? Cheskel, and it's coming up. We're going to experience it within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, but Cheskel uh, wasn't running anywhere. Just they were in Gullah, so he was talking about the Yavua. It, it wasn't, no, no, it wasn't, Yechazkel was talking about the Chorba, and the reason is he was talking about the 
leaving of the Shechina. Over here, this was still Eretz Yisrael, Shareel, Masam, and they didn't go into Galus yet, and this was very unusual. Yaina was Yaina knew the rules of the Vua. Besides spending your whole life becoming a Tzadik Yisrael and going up the whole ladder of the Messiah's Sharm, you also have to learn technique. The Bnei Avim went to school. They had to learn, uh, besides everything else, besides Shas and Paiskim and all the Sifrei Musa and everything, you had to also learn technique, and they knew the rules. And the rules normally were that you can't get a Bula Chusla. So this was in the bag. Once he bought that ship and set sail, he was breathing easier for Klai Yisrael. Of course, he knew that uh, he was Chai Misa for Klai Vishnu which is why. I mean, you learn after Yena. One of the most interesting psukim, the captain came down to said, what are you sleeping at a time like that? What are you crazy? The ship's going on there. And he was sleeping. Why was he sleeping? So the, the bigger pillar, Shiloh, which one's the bigger one? The fact that he was sleeping was because he resigned himself to die because he knew he was Chai Misa. He's willing to give up his life for Klai Yisrael. The bigger pella is that he was able to fall asleep. Most people, when they're resigned to die, don't usually fall asleep too quickly. And he did it because he was at such peace with himself. This is the hallmark of a tzaddik. He had such a muna. He said, look, decision, right or wrong, I made a decision. I can't do this to Klai Yisrael. I'm going to sacrifice myself. I shan't be angry at me, but at least Klai Yisrael is going to be saved. And Shema Yisrael, Sam Mapil, Tuchuva, Sevidi, I'm going to sleep. And he didn't expect to wake up. And the captain came down and said, what's wrong with you? How can you be asleep at a time like this? The captain didn't understand, didn't bother explaining to him. And the captain was screaming and yelling because he can't sleep anyway. So he got up and he said, why don't you pray to your God? So I go explain to him, but pray to my God. Yeah, that's a very complicated question. <laughs> I'm sort of running away from him. And so, so the story got out afterwards. That's where they threw him overboard. But, you know, go explain this to, uh, to the captain. Yeah. Ma'am speaking of Makabal Omar Choshemayim, you always come in at the right time as we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, he was. That's why we. That's why he quoted. So this is, is the uh, four generations. Is it possible that this is that it's a reference to the, the nevuah that that Yonah? It doesn't. Rashi quoted that. Rashi at the beginning said that you're going to have four generations. Okay. Now Rashi quoted that, and this was a key in the nevuah. The other problem is it doesn't say anywhere but Farish that after four generations, all of a sudden you're going to be holding this amount of control. And it was pitiful what was going on. They had like barely a tank and a sword. It was almost like what's going on with Shaul with the Plishtim. And all of a sudden, the fourth, all of a sudden, Yerobim comes to the scene. He's no better than anybody else. And all of a sudden, he breaks out and they take over the whole country and half of the Middle East. So who, who said that was going to happen? So either Yana did say it or didn't say it. That's what we're trying to figure out. And then we have to figure out afterwards why. We didn't get to that yet. What? Yeah. Yeah. You probably, you probably just walked in. Yes. He didn't do tshuva. When I said he said vidui, this is very tricky. Don't ever try this, by the way, in real time. <laughs> if Hashem gives you an avur, just do it. it it's complicated. It's very, you know, just words for the wise. Uh, it's, uh, this was the first and last time this happened. With Elio, the contrast over here was, he did, in a way, it was, I don't, I don't want to say better or worse, it, he, it was the same problem, but in the opposite direction, he was Tavea the Kvayda Av, when he came, he was invited to Harsinai. Hashem wanted to speak to him and be Muramis that uh, I'm very happy with the performance over the last few hundred years and you're doing Valdekin Klaizol and you'll continue to do, you'll go to every person, it'll be unbelievable. However, now Klaizol needs a little bit more of the, we've been speaking about the carrot and the stick for the last few months, we're going to speak more about it, they need a little bit more carrot and uh, they're not handling the stick very well. And uh, when Elio came and had the same 
Makam to stand in, as Moshe Rabbeinu did when he said, it was quite an awesome uh, scene. And Hashem brought him there to actually replay the uh, same message, because Moshe Rabbeinu over there was Taveya, the cover of Yisrael, to save them after the Chet Egel. And Hashem said, what are you doing here? And Eliel said, and his answer was 100% correct. He said, Klai Yisrael, I can't, I tried, they're not doing tshuva, and they're still doing Avodah Zarah, and I just did Har Karmel, I did I went out on a limb, and I did an Isser Kuris with a Hara Shah just to get them moving, and they all said, Hashem will look him. The next morning, Ezebel threatens that if I'm not out of town, and she's going to have my head, and I saw Klai Yisrael would support her, and I left, and I'm finished, what am I going to do? And they were made for your bris, which is one of the reasons Eliel and Novi comes to every bris, to show that we are, we're not being made for the bris, or the schus that he defended the bris, or both. Is a deep inyana. And Hashem asked him a second time, what are you doing here? Because that wasn't the answer Hashem wanted to hear, even though it was all correct. And he said the same thing, and then the Kosh Baruch Hu said, okay, go to your Talmud, Elisha, and appoint him as the next leader because uh, I'm going to let you retire. Elio asked to die. So letting him retire was already a pshara. Elio was fine with that. But so it wasn't an Einush per se. So here we have Yen is trying to retire, and Hashem almost gets him killed, but sort of brings them out, and Elio was let go. It's an interesting contrast, uh, and there are reasons behind why it ended up in each uh, direction that way, but over here, the shot, again, that Rashi brings is that uh, Elio, Yana uh, uh, over here, was not given another Navua as a quote-unquote Einish. We don't look at not getting Navua as an Einish. It's an opportunity to get a Navua, and if you already were a Navi, it's a bit of a uh, punishment not to have more, because getting a Navua was an incredible experience that we've never had, and um, we don't know anybody who's had, but it was something that was, uh, you, you can't describe it, because if you don't feel it, you can't describe something you can't imagine, but a Navi that experienced Navua was very mistaken to have Navua again. So he never got that, and that was his quote-unquote punishment for disobeying the last one. And according to that shot, that's why it can't be that he gave another one over here. And um, he, uh, he's just being quoted in terms of the contrast. Now, if you were, one of you were asking uh, what happened to the Vua, Michael, maybe this is a quote, what happened to the Vua when he appointed Yehu? I didn't see anybody ask that. That's, that wasn't a full Navua. He was told to go and anoint him. He was from the younger Talmudim of the Nevi'im, and he was told by Elisha to go, and he went, and it was a very treacherous trip and very dangerous, and if you're found out that you're anointing the next king while there's a king on the throne, you can get yourself killed. And he was told to go in quickly and close the door and then run for your life. exactly what he did. He anointed him, and he sort of made it clear that he's going to be king. Is that a Nevu'ah? He was told by his rabbi, the Navi, the Navi Adar, that he should do it and let him know. It wasn't really, it wasn't really his Nevu'ah. So that's not really a kasha over here. They don't deal with it as a kasha. This, quote in the Pusik, sounds like it's a whole nevuah. That sounds like a nevuah. Yeah? The Nevi'im had nevuahs, but they weren't necessarily Yes, they had thousands. There were hundreds of thousands of Nevi'im, like Mar Megillah. But how do you devote them to the Doros? To make it in Tanakh, right? Yeah, but I think over here when Chazal say he didn't get any more, you could take the Pusha shot that as a, as a quote-unquote Einish, not the regular Einish we used to sing, he didn't receive any more Nebuah's period. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not Muchuk, but you could say that. It wouldn't be schwer. Okay, so that's shot number one. Let's go back to the Radak. 
They shall kill an invasion. Hikshu, and they ask, Vaksiv, Ashe Diber, Biyad Abde, Yadam Ben Amita, Yanavi, Arposuk, Vitirzu, Al Iske Ninve, this is the answer that Rashi does not bring down, Al Iske Ninve, La Diber, La Palam Shainis, Veloshlishis. Concerning the Navua, the job at hand of getting Ninve to do Chuva, that was the second Navua he got, they never got a third, and whatever Ninve did happened, they did Chuva short term, they were destroyed afterwards, and Yena was not sent again, it didn't say anything about the matter ever again. Umehem Amru, so according to this Tyrant, it's not a steroid. Hitaka had more chances to be a Navi, and this Pasuk, um, as you were suggesting, Giva, it's not true, you know, that uh, Navoi wasn't written down, now it's written down, now we see it. Umehem Amru, the other angle in Chazal, only an Inve twice. Masha Amar, one was an Antistral to go to an Inve, and the second one was an Inve. Masha Amar, Shadibri, Biyar Abda, Yenam, Ben Amita, Ritzalaymar. And Klai Israel is going to get another chance with a big carrot at doing tshuva. Uh, and the scenario will be no more oppression, terrorist activity, war. You're going to have war, but you're going to be successful and you're going to expand the boundaries and you're going to have peace and tranquility and a booming economy. And let's see what you do with it. Which, whenever you say it, is scary because... Um, uh, since Chorban uh, Bayasheni, we haven't had that till now. I'll leave out the rest of it. It's just a big, a big achrayas. Because uh, here they're going to have a period of time, uh, and the Pasuk is going to show you the contracts in the, in the next Pasuk to see where they were coming from. And we're going to see what Yeruvim and the people, can't blame it on Yeruvim, uh, do with this matzav, or I should say, don't do with this matzav. Let's go on to Pasuk Chav Vov. Nothing left. Efes means zero. There was like nothing in terms of the uh, supply, in terms of the economics. They had no money left. Efes Azov, no cattle. Azov are the things left in the backyard. No allies, no money, no military, no strength, and no will. And because, and this was the Rabbi Yankov, we... Uh, Spent time on the last two weeks, uh, how this is a promise to Klai Yisrael whenever Hashem wants to get them out of the slump, so to speak. And this Yerav Menyayash, despite the Russia that he is, is going to come and reverse the situation. Uh, we'll discuss what the schus was in a moment. Let's see. I mentioned to you, not only was he Good for Klai Yisrael in terms of the economics and the boundaries. He even gave back certain cities to Yehuda. He fought battles and he handed it over to Yehuda, which was a really um, a tremendous uh, point. And uh, he did a pedafka of Achtus to show that we're one people and I'm, I'm going to help you, you're going to help me. Which is Gavaldic if they would capitalize it and improve in the work needs to get rid of the At the end, Achtus is a wonderful protection for battle. Like in the time of Acha and the time of Yeruvim, where you go and you'll be successful, and it's great for economics. That the token at the end of the day, unfortunately, will get you in the train, not until Lamhaba, if you're still doing Avodazar and other Averis. That's the Aniyu Dibalev syndrome, the, the cardiac Jews. We want Jews with good, healthy uh, hearts. We want it to be Yudi Dibalev, and you need to follow through with all the mice like Tayag Mitzvahs. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen over here. 
Unfortunately, we're going to sign off very quickly in Yeravim. Potential was great. The capitalizing on it was non-existent. That's not a great sign in Avi. If after two psukim of description, we sign off. That means that nothing much is going to happen. What we're going to have to get to next week in Mitzvah is up to the Peliyayitz. Please remind me. I have to explain to you where Yeravim was coming from. We said over the bad news that he was um, like everybody else, named after Yeravim the original, not a great sign. And um, he was given the opportunity to do something very great. What schus did he have? And there's always something going on somewhere. It could be a blend of a thousand things. Some great-grandmother in Shemayim Davening. His great-grandfather, Constant Yehu, started off as a tzaddik. There's a lot of things. When it comes to Yidin, there can be many hidden schusim. Uh, famous Maitzah, one second, with the Chaznish once uh, was discussing with a person who came to see him who was Legamre Fry the day before, or that morning, came to Chaznish, he said, my father came to me, this is a well-known story, he came to me in a Chalayim, like, I don't remember if the story was twice or three times, but the last time he came, he said, this is your last warning, and he came to me and told him to do tshuva. He was a regular Israeli, nice, you believe, Legamre Fry, Mechal Shabbos, Fahesia, and his father came to him in a, with a long white beard and a talus and the whole, there was, and came from a from family in Europe and went to the war. And um, after the last dream, he was quite spooked. And he heard of, I think he lived in Tel Aviv, he heard there was a great rabbi by the name of Chaznish and Benebrak. Never had seen him. You can imagine, you know, 10 miles away. And he went, Benebrak looking, looking, and he got an audience with him. And the Chaznish said, the Chaznish understood the dream was true. And the guy came and wanted to know, what do I do? And the message was, do tshuva. He said, well, Chazni said, I understand. Tell me a little about yourself. What schus did you have? There are many not yet from people who don't have dreams from their father and grandfather who come to them in a talis and a long white beard, do tshuva. What schus did you have? So he said, I don't know. Yeah, I go to Shosh, I'm Kippur, I fancy I'm Kippur. Typical profile. I believe in God, and I do. I give stuff a little bit. A typical profile of a nice Jew who's not yet completely from Chazni said, yeah, that describes a lot of people. What's chuz? He's thinking, thinking, thinking. Went to the war. The war was the biggest chuz, but he was hiding. He wasn't in the camps. He said, uh, one time I was in the forest, and they told me, I think he said this even before the war, told me there was a Jew that was never killed in the forest, and I was a young man, and they told me about it, um, and I went into the forest, and I was um, interested in doing the mitzvah, bringing him to Kevri Yisrael. And it was just me and him in the forest. And you, you know what dead weight is, even for a strong young man. And I, now, Mace Mitzvah is kind of a so put that aside for a moment because he didn't know that. Not really allowed to bring the body anyway at the burial spot. He took the body miles and miles back to a Jewish cemetery with great Messiah's Nefesh, and he brought him to Kevri Yisrael. And the Chaznish held, not to go in now, why this particular schus, the Chaznish held that was enough of the schus already that his father should be able to come to him. An amazing, uh, amazing idea. Yes, John, if you were uh, there, Janet. Yeah, I, I was just going to say <clears throat> that um, it seems like the, the, when we have these kings who are born into uh, to, his family, by the way, is, he came from Yehu. That was pretty good. Okay. To start off, it's pretty good. He didn't come from Achav. No, I'm saying he came from Yehu, fourth generation of Yehu. Yehu started off. Yehu was promised the kingdom for four generations because of his chus of getting rid of Rishon. It seems like the only one in terms of the pattern. So if you have a father who's a tzaddik, there's a chance you should be. 
that's in Yehud only. You'll see the zigzag in Yehud and Yisrael, unfortunately. So, so I understand. So Yeah, all, all the gambles you're thinking of, we didn't get to most of them yet. I mean, Yehuda, where there's an, uh, an incredible zigzag from Tzadik Yisrael to uh, have, how do you like put Menashe with Chizkiyot? We didn't get to all that yet, but uh, that unfortunately doesn't happen to Yehuda. Yehuda just like, uh, no, Yisrael, rather. Yisrael is just straight down. Not really. There was a contrast of bad and worse. Again, Yehuda started off. The ones who rebelled to get rid of Hashem started off well. That was all in Yehuda. Yehuda started off as a tzaddik. Uh, so but he, he didn't... Uh, yeah, one or two who were asked to wipe out the previous kingdom to... Uh, but uh, yeah, it didn't, uh, didn't last very long. The Avira if lack of a better uh, term, in the Assassin's Shvatim, was always more polluted than it was in Yehuda. And Yehuda's not doing that well right now either. And uh, the Avodah was always more rampant, not that it didn't exist in Yehuda, and the Beis Amikdash was in Yehuda, and Yushalayim was in Yehuda. And that made a big difference, no matter how far you're going. They're still bringing Kabbanis, they're still Kainim Babadasam, Laviyam Biduchanam. You still got to see Nisim. This is by Rishon, not by Yishani. Didn't help much either, although what Manasha did, with, with what he put in the base of Mikdash, okay, but it would, that was more short-lived. That was the good news. It was, it was a much harder battle. They had Nevi'im, they had Sadiqim in the Assessor Shvatim, and they had Jews, again, all went to the Shkamin, and they held their Orthodox. But uh, the Madrega was generally a lot lower, and, and you see from what's going on here. Uh, there was one more hand? Let's see. Okay, let's go to the Peleyayats. Page Yutes, speaking of Ahav to the Merech and all the protection that affords us. Can you imagine if you're Makai Maftoyachamecha and you're davening and learning and not doing Avarazar? Can you imagine what good shape you're in? You have it all together. The bottom of your test, we're in the last paragraph in the middle. Uh, go to the word Avol, the first word in the line, about halfway down. Avol da oka. It's easier to spend four times as much money as you need to spend in an Esrig because instead of 50, so you pay 200. You've got a beautiful Esrig, you can show your friends. And uh, I'm not saying you're doing a Shalom the Shema, but it's a one-time thing. His point, which we were discussing yesterday, is sometimes you have to leave money on the table. Not sometimes. Quite often you have to leave money on the table in order to be able to make Shalom or avoid a tremendous machlekes. And that's true in business. That's true in family matters. Uh, often that's true even raising children. Well, we'll yet get to, uh, in our Keep It Of Aim series at night, uh, many other specific examples of um, cases where children should learn that if the parents don't give them an increase in their allowance pegged to inflation and the stock market and the commodity market and uh, all the other perks and bonuses, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but you know, sometimes this comes up. And if the parents don't do this because they're trying not to spoil them, that doesn't mean that they can sound off and not be McCann, keep it a vein. With that said, I'm talking to the parents, the children aren't here, with that said, in our generation, if you're giving an allowance, many parents shrugged their shoulders and said, Halavai, I should be giving an allowance. <laughs> Which means uh, there's no budget. Yeah, that's not healthy either. If you're giving an allowance and you remember you got a quarter once a week, 
back in 1974, that's probably not going to work. Uh, only in MTJ, they still have a soda machine that I think even takes quarters. Uh, that's the only something that's still there. I think uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, right, to take credit cards. So you have to, again, like everything else in chinuch and parenting and dealing with people, you have to have the healthy balance uh, between not spoiling people because then they don't grow up to be functioning human beings or they're less functioning, uh, versus penny-pinching to the extent that everything around money is going to be a machlekes. It doesn't pay. It's not good for the Akiba of Aim, it's not good for the Avtubech HaMecha, and it's not good for the Mechavero, and just not good. And that's a difficult balance in life, depending on how much money there is and where you're coming from, and uh, I'm sure we'll get back to that uh, at night Seder. Sheesh Mrs. Gadol, Sheesh and there are many mitzvahs where we don't want to spend so much money because it's harder. And uh, people convince themselves, I'm very into loving my neighbors and my friends, and business is business, and what does that have to do with after So Sometimes that's true, per our examples yesterday, when you're um, maybe an activist investor, Shragi told me afterwards, he used to call them corporate raiders. <laughs> they changed the name. Sounds much more politically correct to be an activist investor. So uh, you got to figure out what's going to create uh, Ava and Kiddush Hashem and, and what's business and when are you allowed to do it for Panos, even though not everybody in the company is going to be happy. And what do you have to do? And not handing over money shouldn't, even though the kids aren't going to be happy because it's not healthy for them. So that uh, is very circumstantial. But you have to always remember that if Rabbi Kiva tells you, that means you have to give the shalom aspect a tremendous amount of leverage and room to be chal in terms of the brach of shalom. But people treat it as, yeah, that's a nice thing, I'm not such a nice guy, and they leave it at that, but it's, it's more than that, obviously. If we understand how great this mitzvah really is, and when it comes to machlikis and covet and pride and money, Yitzhar always has 49 ways to even be matara sheritz. The Gemara always says, uh, Marasahedrin, a Dayan, has to be so smart, such a London, he has to figure out 49 svaras to be Matayra Sheretz. You can have 149 svaras in Matayra Sheretz. You can't be Matayra Sheretz. So the Gemara doesn't mean, Chas that you should have a chroma cup and be able to just argue and argue and filibuster and filibuster and prove something that doesn't exist. It means, it's a, it's a Lashem, almost like a Guzmud, you have to be such a London that if it were necessary and mutter, you can be matar sheretz with lambdas. doesn't mean you should. And this expression is always used by the Bali Musr that people's minds play trick on them, tricks on them, and they know how to is gavaldik, but uh, then they start saying, well, you know, and it's my money, and they don't deserve it, and they're trying to cause trouble, and it's their fault. And they don't realize that what you could pay for Sholem, sometimes not a large amount, is something you gladly would have paid for an esrig, that's more expensive. Something you gladly would have paid for building a nicer house to do avadach nasasarchem, which hopefully is why you're doing it. Nasasarchem is a wonderful mitzvah. That's a chilek of chesed, which is under the general rubric of avtalevech So if you're willing to spend a half million dollars more on nasasarchem, which might be a great idea, 
than when it comes to direct avoiding of machlekes and sin and kina and the tumult that goes along with it, then you should think about the money you spend trying to do other acts of chesed. That's what his point is. And people don't see it that way because they have men tests upon him in the other way. What? You can't take it off my sir, standing your house. I'm glad you pointed that out. Or at least asked. Uh, Right. It counts for huge schutzim in Shemayim. You can't take that off a of miser. Okay, but but yeah, rather than starting World War Three, Four, and Five, if you walk away from something, anything in business, Yerusha, uh, your seat in shul, every shul has this. And people once in a while come over and ask me, "Can we have a shear on when you're allowed to throw somebody out of your seat?" I said, "It's gonna be a very short shear." I said, "When? Never." <laughs> Yeah, you bought a seat. He didn't buy a seat. He's a guest. The answer is never. I was once witness to somebody who came over after the break, on Yom Kippur, between Musaf and Mincha, and came back and somebody was in a seat and threw him out of a seat. I saw it. I thought, okay, I'm fasting. I'm very tired. I must be hallucinating. Because that I didn't see what I just saw. And it wasn't here. It wasn't even a flappish. So you won't figure it out. Um, and it, I was hoping, okay, I probably was seeing things, and the riot that I was eliciting was that I'm not going to hear anything afterwards. It's going to go over very easy. They were Kailas and Brooklyn a minute later. On Yom Kippur. Like, wh- what is he thinking? Now you'll say, what was the other guy thinking? Why did he start screaming and yelling? It was also Yom Kippur. Okay, I have a tie on him also, but I have more of a tie on the first guy, even though it was his seat. I asked him afterwards in, I hope, a gentle way, but I'm not sure how gentle it was. I had to go home and eat first before I had the strength to even deal with him. But I called him the next day. I said, you know, it was quite a davening yesterday. He said, yeah, it was really beautiful. I said, yeah, it really was, until around Musaf. He didn't know what I was talking about when I first brought it up. And Mom was like, I almost thought I had the wrong guy. It took like a remez and a remez. You get Musaf, you try to be a Muslim, you don't want to embarrass the guy. And then I said, by the way, um, uh, what's the din when uh, somebody's in your seat and you come back and he's in your seat and it's Yom Kippur? He said, if it's Yom Kippur, you've got to stand up for what's right. Clueless. Like, I brought it up. He didn't miss a beat to say the wrong side. So uh, I said, uh, I think you maybe you should have left him alone because he kind of got very nervous and hot under the collar. He said, so did I. I said, why? He said, he was in my seat. I said, why don't you go sit somewhere else? He says, the shul's very crowded. Still not an excuse. He said, I should go look for a seat. The starting mincha is, I don't want to miss maftiyana. He missed the whole maftiyana, by the way. He missed the whole point. But he wanted to miss maftiyana, so he uh, threw him out of his seat. So a guy like that is not thinking. He's probably a nice guy in other areas, but he wasn't thinking. And he didn't realize that he, I would have given him a head to, to miss all of landing in maftiyana rather than start a machlegas yam kipper. And we don't take Maftiyana lightly, as we have concluded in this year. And on that positive note, we'll continue next week.